And we're back. Hello, guys. And welcome to another episode of Australian Craft Distillers Shooting the Shit. You notice that um, a couple of people are missing from this episode. That's because we've finally got our guest presenters in place. We've been trying for a month, but (laughs) (laughs) Ellie and Fee are going to be the first to do it. So thank you guys for joining us. Thank you so much for having us. That's awesome. And we have the pleasure of... Viewing Brad Wright from the Civil Malt Whiskey Club. Here we go, guys. And yeah. ladies, how is everyone? <laughs> Doing great now that I got through that little bit without any technical issues. So, <laughs> first time for everything, right? Well, um, what's everyone drinking tonight? So, obviously, we'll go Valley first, which is what I am, you know? Ah, me first. Well, I'm cracking into the four square. 2010 exceptional cast selection because I'm fancy my rum tribe glass. <laughs> All right, you guys. So, Brad, me, um, I'm, I'm drinking two things tonight. Actually, I'm drinking, uh, um, which were pretty much on my desk as I started this, the uh, the Thompson um, Manuka Smoke um, cast drink, which is our sort of current malt of the month but um uh and also um i'm drinking an outcast actually because why wouldn't i we're doing this with the rum tribe this month and um and ali's here so i thought i'd have a rum and a whiskey tonight because i've sort of got two hats i guess these days my cinema whiskey club and my rum tribe uh hat so so i guess cheers and cheers, cheers. <laughs> and fee how's the water going now the water's going fine i'm on the antibiotics tonight Bonus. Oh, nice. <laughs> so cheese. Oops, cheese. <laughs> Since we're sort of doing a bit of run, I'm going with Ashley Isarina. Yeah. So yeah. Nice. I'm yet to have that one, but I'm so excited to. I haven't had their rum, but I've had their malt. Yeah. Both good. They're both good. They're malts. Yeah, and they're they're right. We've actually featured their malt um, uh, last year. Last year, yeah. And um, and uh, we haven't featured their rum yet, but I have um, sampled one. <laughs> it's pretty good. Yeah. I pull it out now, but there's none there. <laughs> 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 awesome. Oh. So, Brad, you want to just start off by telling us a little bit about yourself and. Uh, Basically, how did you come off the brain fart of an idea of starting a club? Uh, well, look, yeah, it's a it's a pretty uh, it's a pretty long origin story. I was drinking with uh, my first business partner, Andy, um, uh, way back in the day in two thousands and stuff. We'd sort of have a monthly get together on uh, my veranda or his veranda. He was in Sydney, but he was doing a bit of travelling, so with work, so he'd get up under Brizzy a fair bit, and um, uh, yeah, we sort of. Uh, Basically had a had a whiskey once a month um, drinking. He was in the wine trade. Um, I was doing multimedia and website sort of design back in those days, and um, we sort of thought, well, we should sort of chip in and um, you know maybe we drink enough. Why don't we chip in and get a carton once a month or something and get a bit of a discount from the bottle? Oh, which back in those days used to have you know one or two. Um, a Lagavulin and maybe a Bowmore there or a, or a Glen of some sort was was that in the old bottle of those back in those days. And, um, yeah, so we'd um, sort of uh, said, yeah, that's a great idea. And so that was a Saturday night. Sunday night I went over to Mum and Dad's place, told Dad, you know, I just had dinner with Angry, 
because they knew him as my old mate. So, um, yeah, we're going to split a cart and once month. Dad said, shit, that's a good idea. I'll jump into that. And, and we said, yeah, nice one. And so sort of, you know, after a little while we had, um, you know, we were buying about six cartons and uh, splitting it with my mates sort of once every couple of months or so. And uh, and my, my, my lovely missus said, um, you know, why don't you do something with this and yeah so we did something we got andy on the buying and i did the Malta website side and we kicked off actually i was just thinking it's probably exactly 18 years to this month actually so 18 years old this year um and wow. uh, just looking back i can't remember whether it was june or july um that we kicked off but i think it very well could have been june um Back in all those years ago in 2005, that makes it so. Um, like I said, yeah, we've uh, we're 18 years old this year, we're old enough to, to <laughs> that's so good. Are you guys gonna have a party for that? Oh, exciting! We are, uh, we've got a few um uh, little promos um uh launched. In fact, I was down in Sydney a week ago, um, down with the Whiskey List, um, uh, the Whiskey Show, uh, and um. Caught up with my original business partner, Angry, uh, down there at a night at his place. Um, uh, I bought him out of, oh, I don't know now, how many years. It's, it's getting more and more years every year, strangely enough, that I bought him out. And, um, and now, obviously, I've got a new partner on board, Brent, um, who's another old mate. I'm really lucky. I've been blessed with this business to be involved in it with old mates pretty much the whole whole time through. Um, Angry's an old uni mate of mine. And Brent, um, my new business partner, he's my old... Um, Head of security from back in the old DJ and nightclub days, um, back in '94, I think he first started. We, we met or something, and and uh, yeah, so he's the other half of Single Malt now, and he, him, and I both set up um, the Rum Tribe, um, going back now to 2020. I think we kicked that off, um, and going on quite nicely, I guess. So that's that's kind of the the origin and the catch up sort of story, and. It, Obviously, there's been a few ups and downs and hurdles and stuff in between there. But basically, um, yeah, 18 years ago, we kicked off on the veranda. And um, here I am 18 years later, stuck down in the bowels of the house now. <laughs> That's one way to put it. Sorry, yeah. That's one way to put it. One way to put it, yeah. But the bowels with lots of whiskey. I don't know if you can see behind me. They're all bottles of whiskey on the desk behind me um, waiting to be reviewed or photographed or having been, and I'm still loving them too much to actually relegate them to the finished with that bottle now cupboard. So, so <laughs> <laughs> but, and I'm kind of liking your infinity bottle because I, I, if I could just get over that, that that psychological hurdle and do an infinity bottle, I think that it'd save me so much bloody space with all my, you know, mm. quarter filled and, and half filled and all that sort of stuff. So um, you, you might I've got to, it's, it's the best thing since sliced bread. I mean, sometimes sometimes you might add something to it and then it just all goes sideways. So what I have a tendency to do is possibly split it into three and then fiddle with those three separately and give it all a go. I mean, basically it's all blending, but it's just a, a bit more fun. Um, this guy this guy was my original Infinity bottle. We all know where that one is. Um, but I called him Albert because I don't know if you guys have ever seen Red Dwarf or not, but um, there was a scene with uh, Lister and Crichton and Crichton had cleaned everything of Lister's, including a mug that was sitting on the, on the dresser. He said, I used to keep that mug there just to annoy Rimmer. His name was Al Albert and he was almost five foot tall. <laughs> <laughs> 
So that particular one, when I started it, I literally put everything and anything into it just to see what would happen and if I could balance it out to bring it back to where it might need to be. Uh, and, yeah, it, it was a lot of fun. This one now currently has bourbon and rye in it, but my Infinity Barrel, which I'm not strong enough to lift up right now, uh, has whiskey in it, mm. all scotches and Australian malts and Japanese and yeah, just a lot, a hell of a lot. It's looking okay the last time I looked at it, but it's been a couple of months now. It's fun. Do you keep a do you keep a, a detailed journal of what goes in there or is it a um or is it I should. You should. Well they've they've actually got an app now that you can utilize so that you can keep track and it, it calculates the A B B as well as, you know, whatever you've put in there, which is kind of cool. But you know, I've got a, a, a bottle that has this much left in it. Oh, look, you know, uh, you're taking up prime real estate, mate. You're going in. That's, that's <laughs> like, I don't know. I don't know how much that is. Well, pray for a visit from a friend. That's about, that's about two decent <laughs> <laughs> No, the, um, the bottles that build up, I, I think, you know, are the bane of my, um, my, my, my lovely Denise's life, my better half's life, is the amount of bottles. In fact, if we're not like finally getting bottles in your cupboard, we've just bought to put bottles somewhere, we're actually looking and choosing the next cupboard to, to get all these bottles off my friggin' desk and put somewhere because they just, I don't know, in this business, they tend to build up quicker than I can certainly drink them, especially at my age now, <laughs> which is yeah. back in my 20s, I should have been doing this in my 20s, it would have been okay, but no, not in my, not, not in my whatever's 50s now, so well. Uh, as I discovered in Adelaide and Sydney, I think my limit now is four days of, of partying, whereas it used to be probably two weeks and then I needed a weekend. Yeah. Now, <laughs> about four days. <laughs> so, so how do you go about selecting a, um, a bottle to put up for the club? Mate, it's, look, it's a, um, a multifaceted way. There's not just one way. We um, uh, we get suggestions from club members for a start. Um, we're, we're really blessed. We've had, um, being 18 years old, we've got lots of old standing members who know way more about whiskey than I probably do anyway and uh, just, just humour me. And they um, they get overseas a fair bit and say, look, you want to try some of this or you want to try some of that. Um, obviously, um, uh, I've got lots of friends in the trade who um, whose palates I trust and who tell me, hey, you want to try this or you should have a, you know, one of these or, um, uh, and um, getting out and about to places like the Whiskey Show, trying something new and, um, you know, talking to people like all of you guys there, as I do get out and around every now and then, um, I, I guess, um, and as you can see it back there, I don't know if you can see the breakup, but I get lots of sample bottles sent to me, you know, there's, there's, there's a whole box, like I keep, what do you do with all these tiny, tiny sample bottles that that fill? Because when you when you talk to a distillery, they don't send you one one hundred mil or one sixty mil bottle or whatever it is. They send you six because you want to choose which barrel that you're taking from. So try as you might, it, it 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 look you know people go wow what an awesome job. And you'd think you'd think, but when you sort of you know take a couple of nights off and you look and you go oh my god, there's like eighteen whiskeys now I have to try that have built up that have come in the last couple of days. Um, it's 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 the worst. It's the best of jobs that it can be the worst of jobs. 
north in that especially especially if you're feeling a bit like feet, a bit under the weather and you're just sort of going oh, or you've had a big night or you're just coming off the tail end of being cook and you're looking at at, at whiskey like uh, like you know at, i've got to drink them you, know, you go i can't just not because i need to get answers back to people and tell people you know yeah you mate. so it's um yeah like i said it's a great job it's a bad job it's like any job it becomes a job i guess after a while and and the, the, you don't sort of tend to bring your work home as much with you i guess with all <laughs> as you do with whiskey so um but uh but yeah so that's long and the short um todd i guess i'm, I'm just lucky a combination of lots of different ways um you know and these days also i keep a, a, a abreast of what's going on on facebook and that with lots of different brands um and and we're always um keen to find you know something new something interesting something that's not really beige you know what i mean um so just just we don't do many glens and that sort of whiskies and whiskey club out there with this with the single whiskey club um, um we're more looking for the smaller sort of batch um artisanal craft distilleries you know that, that that can do a sort of a you know a cask or two or two casks blend at a time which is just sort of you know fits with our numbers nicely so we're kind of blessed with the amount of sources there are in this country for getting whiskey and there's one source you know we know there's there's problems with, with international transport and stuff at the moment well we're really lucky to have a massive industry on our shores that you know has well, i won't say come to our rescue but geez they've been good in the last few years while the international trade's been sort of shut down you know the aussie rum distilleries or the aussie whiskey distilleries so you know um the aussie distilleries they're just fantastic at the moment so um i, I think it's been kind of great for australian distilling in a way that the whole international, you know, transport sort of debacle, it's really forced a lot of um, retailers to pick up Australian brands where they might not have in the past. There are so many diverse, like whiskey is such a diverse genre of spirit. Um, what made you want to focus with, um, on, on single malt whiskey? Yeah, look, that's a good question. Um, it, 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 well, coming from a rum producer, Ali, as far as diverse bloody category of spirits go, it, it, rum's even more than, than, than whiskeys. But I think, look, I, I was a, um, I'm a Queenslander. I've been boating since before I could walk, and I've been drinking Bundy rum pretty much since I've been boating. So um, uh, that's that's what we do up here. We, so I've always sort of drunk a lot of rum, um, and I, you know, rum, Bundy rum and Coke. Um, but I went overseas and discovered single malt whiskey, I think, and it was, I think that was the first time I discovered the finesse of alcohol, I guess, is a way to put it, that there was something more than just besides tipping a can of Bundy down your gullet and getting shit back. So, <laughs> which, which is, you know, which, which, which is all very well. Yeah, yeah, sorry. To you can get shit faced with finesse. Well, that's right. You get this, and, and, and with any luck, sound half intelligent. We'll, we'll see tomorrow. But yeah, so um, yeah, so uh, yeah, I hope that answers. I read a really, really technical question out of the audience that I need to just put up. So this is. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, do tell. Put up, but they'll do. Um, I'm not going there. The it's, 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 there. If you see Aussie Craft Distiller shooting the shit, that's our our great friend Crafty sitting behind the scenes, throwing <laughs> the rocket, lurking. lurking. He's, 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 he's giving me shit, but he 
know, he's my partner in crime now. Brent's an old security guard. He was my head of security. I think we've had. Um, so is that is that crafty asking that question, or is it? That Brent's is crafty. That is crafty. Yeah, no. Look, mate, security guards with their hands in their pockets. Yeah, I don't know. Better ask, uh, better ask Brent about about that. Uh, yeah, he, he was never a big fan. It. it was funny back in the day because I, I was DJing when I met Brent and um, in a suburban nightclub. Won't mention the name of it, but we were uh, <laughs> we, we uh, I, I used to, my DJ box was right out in the middle of the guts of the nightclub. So as you can imagine, and it was it wasn't elevated or anything. So I sort of was sort of standing at face level and and came up to I guess a bit over my waist. With every yobbo in the club, and we used to back in the day, we used to sell, um, we used to sell buckets of alcohol. These were buckets at the barracks, and they were five bucks, and they were literally a plastic bucket. We put five dips in and filled up with the cheapest post mix, with the cheapest spirit, and people thought we were legends because they were five bucks. But so you can imagine there was usual inebriated idiots, and they'd come over and um, you know give me a bit of grief and stuff. And I used to say, you know, what are you going to do? They'd say, what are you going to do about it, mate? And I said, well, mate, I have a black belt in microphone. And they go, black belt in microphone. <laughs> that microphone. And I go, Brent, to DJ box, please. Brent, to DJ box. <laughs> <laughs> and, on, and they discovered what a black belt in microphone was, quick smart. So it was, it was But so, uh, so, yeah, I've been really lucky, like I said, to um, have old mates as partners the whole way through this. I've got so many stories about bloody DJ bounces with hands in, your hands in other places that shouldn't be either. <laughs> but but for the uh, yeah I, I haven't had quite enough to drink yet to, to, to get <laughs> so we'll give it like 20 minutes quick quick question so in the 18 years can you name five standout whiskies that have just stood out to you over and above everything else that you've picked. Oh, man. That was on my list too. <laughs> yeah, I, don't I, I, I don't know. I, I, I hate this question. I used to get asked what's your favourite song as a DJ all the time, but I can't. Five standout whiskies are at least better than what's your favourite whiskey, and it's even harder too. I don't know. Yeah. Um, at the moment, like, I, I kind of love what we're doing at this stage, whatever you're drinking, whatever I'm drinking, is that a, a cliche? And that just usually tends to be whatever we're featuring is what I'm drinking the most because usually while I'm writing my notes up, um, I've got a bottle of whatever we're doing next to me just to, to just for inspiration. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. But, um, and so, look, yeah, I don't know. Like, you know, I, I, it's my favourite. At the moment, I'm kind of blown away because I've, I've moved away from the Thompson for a couple of weeks to be doing um, rum stuff. And I've come back to it and I'm kind of going, oh, my God, my notes didn't really impress how bacony it has become now because I wrote those notes weeks ago. So I guess I, I, I not so much have standout whiskies that blow me away is that I think I just I get blown away, I guess, by revisiting whiskies that I've recently done. Like this Thompson's a great example, I guess. And I, so, yeah, I know that's a, that's a shit answer and it's not the one you're looking for, but I just... I just, I can't, I can't do it. I've never been able to do it. If you ask me, and like a favourite song, you know, are we at a concert? Are we mellowing out somewhere? Are we, you know, over at a party or, you know, have had a good day, a shit day? So oh, many I get it. I, yeah. I get it. But, you know, that's why I'm like, oh, just, I'll just poke the bear. Yeah, no, <laughs> yeah, so many. Look, I love, I guess, styles, I guess, more than anything. So I love Big Isla. 
you know, massive. I, I love a peat monster that comes and wants fucking go there, you know. Like that's that's how I like my peat. But I also love a big sherry bomb, you know. I like that astringency from a sherry bomb. I love a bourbon. A good example of a bourbon cast that gets that that vanilla and those floral sort of notes, you know. I, I, I yeah, just styles. Um, and I like all the styles. I like. I just really like whiskey. I guess, and, and whiskeys, and now, and then, and, and the good rums that are coming around now. I mean, I, I rums are a bit easier, I guess, for me because there's there's so massive differences in styles of rums. I guess so. Um, Killick, um, Outcast for a style. Killick, such a different style. You know what I mean? There's, there's, and then, then we're not even talking about um, agricole style rums with the with the cane juice spirit, which is my sort of new love at the moment. I'm kind of loving those in a big way, and I, they take me back to. When we were living up in Cane Country in Cairns and Innisfail, um, uh, and then also at Bundy, I lived there for about eight and a half, nine years. Um, and that smell of the crush, you know, that you just get when you drive past the cane trains, when you've got screaming kids in 35 degree heat in the back of the car, and you've got to fucking stop to let the cane train go past, and you wind all the windows down so they can wave. And you, 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 the air conditioning goes out, of course, and the humidity comes in, but you get those wafts of that train. Just, and that's that to me. What I'm loving at the moment is that agricole, uh, unaged cane juice um, uh, sort of. Uh, where, where I'm, I'm not selling it, so I can call it rum. It's called rum everywhere else around the world. So, right. Uh, but we just can't sell it as rum in Australia, obviously. So, um, yeah. yeah, no, yeah, sorry. I know you wanted five rum, five whiskies are my favourite, and I've digressed all over the place. I do that. I'm sorry, I can't answer it. I just that's I okay. If you were to put a whiskey over to my place, that'd be my current favourite top five. Whatever the time. Right. Yep. Yep. <clears throat> uh, so, what? Trying to change it a little bit then. So, what was your most challenging um, single malt whiskey that you've brought to the club? The most challenging one, I reckon. Um, uh, the first Kiwi one we brought to the club which was back in, oh shit, when was it? A long time ago, 13 years ago or something, I think. Uh, the, and I still to this day don't know how to pronounce it. Koi Po, Koi Poi. was 500 mil. Um, uh, it was totally different to what, um, because people weren't even really used to Australian at that stage. We all thought yeah, one whiskey was Scottish and that was it. Um, we've had others that we thought would do really well because we pride ourselves on doing new world whiskies and, and, and that sort of stuff. We were, we, when Milk and Honey first came to the country, we were the first ones to present it and we thought that would do really well. Um, it subsequently, as we know, exploded into huge things. But when, you know, it was first first uh, introduced um, by us, yeah, there was a bit of resistance and, and why not? It's it's hard for us. It's got to come from my typing, how good this whiskey is, unlike a bottle shop where you can crack a bottle or, you know, have a few bottles here. You can... You can give the customer a splash. This is pretty good. Try one of these, you know, if you think you like that. And, and you can with with us, we've got to sort of talk it up. And I think, um, yeah, when we did the milk and honey the first time, that was just a stretch too far for our customers, I think. Um, and I think subsequently um, uh, it wasn't anything to do with the taste. I think with us what it is is the, is, is the getting the message across that this is okay and it's, um, it, it's one of those things we've been around for so long. You turned a single malt out of Israel. Say again, exactly. I mean, have fun it. And, and even when someone said to me, yeah, you, you want to try this milk and honey? I'm going, yeah, where's it from? And they're going, it's from Israel. I said, you're right, not. But 
Why not? I mean, Christ, it, same as uh, who'd have thought we'd be distilling single malt whiskey like we are in Australia, mm. you know, 30 years ago. Certainly nobody. You know, we were all about wine back then, weren't we? So we, we didn't even think of, 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 um, of single malt spirit. And then and now what rum is doing now, you know, it's, it's the... It's the renaissance of rum, let's face it. Rum now is where single malt whiskey was back in 2005 when when we sort of jumped. We were lucky enough to just get that wave but, and pick us up and, and travel us sort of this far. So, yeah. So, uh, yeah. You, you mentioned wine. You just mentioned wine. So, I'll just throw up another question from the audience. Not crafty this time, thankfully. <laughs> oh, David and Carolyn Taylor. G'day, David. How are you, mate? Yes, uh, yeah, we certainly would. We have, um, we've done a couple of great collabs with Iron House now. Um, if, uh, people are wondering what that question is about. We did a, um, uh, last year we did a collaboration with Iron House Brewery um, who release a, who distill as well as Tasman um, Single Malt. And uh, we actually uh, had a, they, they're a multifunctional sort of farm down there. They do their own grapes. They've got a vineyard and they do wine as well. So we actually um, finished a one of the – we had them finish one of their whiskies in one of their Pinot casks. After they'd emptied the Pinot, they then finished the whiskey. So we were able to release a hand-in-hand -hand, um, matched whiskey and wine collaboration um, with them. And two years before that, we were able to do a very similar thing uh, with the same – distillery slash brewery with a porter beer that had aged in the barrel that we took the whiskey out of. So we had this beautiful matched boiler maker. It was, it was sensational. So David and Carolyn, uh, yes, yes, there is something else coming in a few months time. Another collab with, um, with the mighty, um, uh, iron house down there. Um, but you will have to um, wait and see, but it's, it's, as ever, it's just epic. It's epic. It's going to be huge. So, um, yeah, looking forward to that. Thanks for the question. Thanks for being <laughs> to lead into that one. I'm very excited about it. I wish I could tell you more. I wish I could tell you more. Cravo. <coughs> Cravo. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Next question. So, Ellie, you had a question? Oh, yeah. It was more of like a, a leading, segueing you into kind of talking about how you taste different spirits i caught up with you um at my distillery a few weeks ago and you said something very interesting about how you taste spirits and kind of how that comes about you see that uh flavor profiles in in colors so if you'd like to kind of lead us into what you taste and and how that kind of comes across yeah, i found that really I, interesting I, I make no secret about it to who i talk about i, I feel like a bit of a cheat and a liar every time I, people talk about my tasting notes because like I just said before, you know, whiskey and rum for that matter and anything you're drinking is so dependent on where you are at the moment. So when I write up a set of tasting notes, I'm at one place at the moment and that can be, you know, the second time I've tried that. I've, I've picked and said, yeah, we'll take that one. And, but that was a few months ago. Now I'm here sort of doing it. Yeah, And you, and you have a taste and you, and you get what you get and you do it. But then like I was just saying with this Thompson's, you come back to it after you've been away for a while and it's, you know, it's, it's sat in the bottle for a couple of months and you... um you get, um, you can get so many different notes. So I, I, I feel, um, yeah, I, I, do, I do, I do the best I can. I, I, I put it, um, what I, what I taste um, down. You know, sometimes you read. I get a bit jealous of some of the palettes that are out there that can put it into the words. When I read the walls of text that they come out with, I go, wow, you know, I could get a sentence or something if I, 
you know, get a little witty play on words, something that I feel pretty chuffed about myself with it. But some people can just write and write and write. I wish I sort of had those talents. So, um, and, and as far as you were asking about, yeah, I mentioned the colours. A lot of the a lot of the tastes I get, I also get in, like, in colours. I don't know how to describe it except that if I close my eyes and taste it, I, I, I'm getting splashes of red or white or, or, or crimsons and, 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 and that sort of thing with, with, with agricoles. I get these greeny notes, you know, in my head that are just those really fresh sort of tippity top sort of notes that you get out of that. So it's a combination of, yeah, like just trying to put into words. And my long-suffering Denise that I talked about before, so she's been on this sort of journey alongside me for all these years. And it's, it was only a couple of years ago that we got away for a weekend by ourselves without the kids that she first kind of got the whole what I what she said I don't understand you know I taste this stuff and it blows the top of my head off and I don't get it you know and you wax lyrical about this and that and the other and I said yeah I think the biggest hurdle of getting over it is to the inexperience is this whole bolus of everything at once it's a massive thing plus the alcohol on top of it and and I think they think that the tastes are going to present themselves like in some sort of uniform manner but I think it's more um, uh, learning that you've just got to sort of pick the tastes out rather than them them, them being there. They're not totally obvious. And, in fact, you know, the number of times I get my missus or my kids, smell that. What do you, what's that smell? I can smell something and I can't pick it. It's right, I guess, for want of a better word, on the edge of my nose or on the edge of my tip of my tongue or whatever. You know, you can just, but it's, yeah, it's a weird thing. The whole olfactory, you know, taste thing, I think, is, is, is one of our most... I don't know, weirdest senses, most most prone to outside influence, you know, your mood, the music, the, the temperature. I mean, you know, a great frosty night with a fire, you know, your big eyelash, peat monster whiskies taste way better than they do when it's 35 degrees on the back of a Queensland deck, don't they? So, Yeah, I totally agree about the whole temperature thing as well. It's like how you drink certain spirits, like some whiskeys, like maybe you have with ice. Like, you know, I personally don't ever drink rum with ice because it's like, it's, I associate that with like a hot kind of climate and it's able to be drank there. And that's how it not like it normally should taste. Um, So yeah, I, I find that temperature is like a huge thing when you're tasting things for the first time. So yeah, appropriate settings um, are really a big player, I think. Yeah, yeah, and look, I, and I'm in Queensland. I make no bones about it. Thirty-five degrees. I'm chucking it under ice. Let me tell you. <laughs> and, and, the only, and the only thing that I won't do ice in would be a would be a peated one. Water in peat, yeah. unless it's a cask strength. Where I'm just putting a couple of drops in for some reason. Water doesn't go with peat for me. Um, like I said, I'll open a cask strength peated whiskey up with a couple of drops of water, but I, I wouldn't dilute it. But anything else, look, yeah. People always ask me, how should I drink my whiskey? And I'm going, who paid for it? And they say, well, I, I said, well, drink it any fucking way you want. It's your whiskey, like, but don't come to my place. Yeah, but how do you drink your whiskey? Right, Pepsi, because I'm going to say no. Like, you know, there's a bottle of crap somewhere there you could dig out. But you can Pepsi if you want. Um, so, so are you yeah. opposed to a smoky cokey, though? <laughs> uh, no. Look, see, that's the thing. I probably wouldn't throw um, wouldn't throw coke into a into a whiskey. But this is why my the rum, my alter ego in rum, is is where I get out and throw weird stuff into my spirits. So I tend to drink all my whiskeys neat or with a bit of water or in the stinking hot of summer. I'll throw a bit of ice in it. 
Uh, but my rum, like it's fair game. I, I, that's I think I think after so many years of just doing single malt whiskies, um, I've just really loved entering the rum space where it's so much absolute fun. Like you know, I was four thirty. Well, down in Adelaide, I was four thirty-five in the morning at Hades Hula House. Yeah. Cocktails. It was just epic, you know. And <laughs> big props to them. If I, yeah, I'll be back down there. They were great. So, that's rum for you. You know, stupid flaming cocktails, smoking cinnamon sticks. <laughs> it's, all yeah. that you can have it and love it. You know, you, you, if you try and do cocktail videos with a single malt whiskey, well, people just look at you kind of like you caught eye contact with them on the tube in London, you know, like they think you're a bit odd. What's, what's wrong with this guy? Yeah, this that was going to be like my other question is like um, you're like cocktails are really fun, but I know that there is like such a, a stigma with like things like single malt and stuff like that, where it's just like, no, you can only have it by itself. But in the rum space, it's very celebrated with cocktails. Do you kind of feel the same thing? Do you like single malt whiskey cocktails? Yeah, no, like I said, no, if it, if it, be it just force a habit or, or, or not having found the right cocktail. I, I, I yeah, I don't um, tend to drink single malt whiskey in cocktails. Um, usually me, um, like I said, or sometimes a bit of water or a bit of ice. But um, but yeah, no rum is my I guess rum is my Larry shirt drink, and I um and I, and I'm quite happy to throw it on at, at, at any occasion, pretty much these days. So I've discovered. Um, <laughs> Well, in the last couple of years, I've discovered the joy of taking an esky full of daiquiri fixins over to a party and obliterating lots of people really quickly with that. That's just, <laughs> you know, you'll go, well, I don't really like cocktails. Well, what's this? This is all right. Like, so, you know, the, the, the joy of a good daiquiri, it's so simple, but so, so delicious, really, on a hot day. Um, good old fashioned, Ali, as we. <laughs> As we've been speaking about, which which the rum tribe are just so looking forward to doing your barrel aged old fashions, um, which is sensational. So, um, you know, all, all sorts of um, uh, stuff in the rum space is great. I mean, um, Quentin and Husk taught me the tea punch, such a simple idea: a bit of sugar, a tiny bit of um, of, of lime skin to get the oils, and then your, your unaged agricole straight on top of that. Oh, it's a beautiful way to drink rum. And like he says, you know, you put a separate um, coin of skin in for each drink you have, you can count how many drinks you've had. So it's the, <laughs> it's the responsible drinking as well as the enjoyable drinking as well. With that, with the rum. So I, I just, um, yeah, I, I think, um, and that's, that's the other enjoyable thing about rum too, I think, is what an open space it is for um, producers in rum. There's really... You know, no rules, except in Australia we say you've got to be in wood for two years to call it rum. But, you know, you, it's not like single malt where it's got to be the one grain and the one the one type of still and the one, uh, you know, type of wood. It's It can be anybody thing. And, and that's to the detriment, I think, of, of the rum um, as a product as well as it's positive. I think that, that where the detriment of that openness is in rum is the lack of transparency in the labelling. Now, I think um, that's, you know, you've, you've got amazing people, you know, high-end people that think are high-end brands of rum that are like 60 grams of sugar per litre in them. Yeah. But is that even mentioned? On, is it sugar, Is even sugar added mentioned on the label? No, no. Yeah. Would buy that rum if they knew it had sixty grams per liter of sugar in it. But 
people do, and I'll tell you how fantastic it is. And it may well be fantastic. That's why cocktails are fantastic because they've got a bit of sugar in it. They've got a bit of sweetness and stuff in it. But, you know, you know basically what's going in your cocktail because you've decided off the cocktail list what you're having, haven't you? You know, all that sounds like yeah. a combination of one of those. So the same with spice drums. You don't know what's in a spice drum. I, I, I kind of think it's it, it, it should be on the label. You know, it's got sugar in it. It's a spice drum. This is what it's been spiced with. This is what we've used. So I think, um, yeah, the, the, the rum is, is so, so wide open to interpretation, which is just fantastic as a class of drink. And, and it lends itself to drinking um, neat and it lends itself to all manner of cocktails, both white and brown spirit cocktails as well. So it's like a whole new playground's kind of been opened up <laughs> to me and I, and I get to be flying and doing it as a job too. So it's, <laughs> so it's, 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 it's all pretty, pretty good from where I'm sitting there. One of the best thing about rum cocktails as well is that they have multiple rums in them. So it's not just like, um, yeah, it just has like 30 mils of rum or like 60. It's like 30 mils of dark and like, you know, 45 of like yeah, white. Yeah, and, 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 it's like and if it's haven't got two syrups in it that I've never even heard of and can't pronounce, I'm not interested. I don't want it. I want the ones that I've never heard of and can't pronounce. Give me more of those. So, yeah, no, yeah. I, I know. It's fantastic. The ones that are going to get you into trouble later. <laughs> <laughs> there's not a cocktail in the world that isn't getting you into trouble when you order it after three in the morning <laughs> so, so, <laughs> you, you know what you're doing or maybe you don't maybe you don't <laughs> or maybe you don't want to know what you're gonna do no, no, no. <laughs> that's a good one <laughs> yeah I, I wonder, because you have many New World whiskies uh, and now you're delving into the rums, what are the next three countries that are going to be, well, what you see of interest, where you might grab from? Um, Sweden. Sweden. Sweden's very interesting to us. In fact, this month we're doing the... Can I get it on the camera? I think that's it. Svenskek. <laughs> Try to say that after your 3 a.m. I, I think it would get easier at 3 a.m. somehow. <laughs> 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 my, my time in school. Well, that's, you know, that's, that's going to be the June single malt whiskey. That's correct. It is, yes. Yeah. And this one is um, it's from Sweden, but it's, um, as we were chatting before uh, earlier on, Todd, yeah. With you guys involved in Waterford and stuff with the terroir that they are sort of um, are spruiking as part of, you know, their sales pitch. The, this um, Svensk Ek, um, sorry, sales pitch, that was a bit cheap, wasn't it? That's not right. <laughs> they're, 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 what's a better way of saying that? Sorry, I was always, always with words. Um, not a sales pitch. A, the, the way they're doing stuff, I guess, they're, they're um, overriding philosophy of how to make whiskey. So uh, Sven's is a similar thing. This is all Swedish, um, Swedish um, grain, Swedish oak, uh, and obviously Swedish uh, water. They'll, they'll be doing it. So I tasted that uh, a little while ago, uh, and I would crack it open now and give you a bit of a quick hint, but I can't because I've got to wait till I photo <laughs> photograph the bottle. Damn. <laughs> It comes in a very trade safe, bright orange. So you won't trip over it and you know, you might back over it in your ute when you're backing up with a ute full of stuff. So um it's anything I can't wait. Yeah, so look, there's lots of different places stuff comes out of it. I think there's um I think for me, Fiona, there's just 
stuff that comes out of places you don't expect all the time. Um, Nepal, we've had a bit of dealings with some Nepal Nepalese rum. Now, Kikuri uh, is the brand, and like it blew me away when I when I found out from the reps from Kikuri Rum that there is a rum industry over there that three months a year they get their own sugarcane as well in the lowlands. So it's three months a year they get they get access to this sugarcane to make molasses from. They they, they then um, make their rum, take it up and use the waters, um, the, the pure water from the Himalayas, the Himalayan melt water, so to, to, to knock it out. So all this amazing stuff. Milk and honey, um, obviously, um, that's exciting. You know, Israel, let's face it, there's a couple of other distilleries, I believe, coming on board in Israel. India, huge market already for their whiskies, um, And uh, no surprise, um, Paul John, um, brands like that, doing huge things now. Um, Cavalan, um, those sorts of brands. It's, it's just stuff popping up from all over the world, which um, uh, is amazing. I don't think anyone really can claim to be quite the um, powerhouse of new distilleries that Australia appears to be, though. The Australian distilling industry is just going absolutely gangbusters. I don't think it's, there's, a, there's a country in the world, and, and I can't say I've looked into this, very deeply, but it surprised me if there's another country in the world that's that has the number of distilleries popping up. It seems everybody day there's a new one yeah. coming online, and not just coming online. So it's been there quietly bubbling away in the background, just keeping their heads down until it's time to pop up and go, "Hey, here we are with product." So, and I think, um, and that's the other interesting thing about the Australian industry is the, the how many different business models are there to get a distillery off the ground. There's that one I mentioned: keep your head down, wait till you've got product. There's the independently bottle your own stuff. Independently bottle other people's stuff till you've got aged product. You know, there's there's all a manner of stuff. There's, you do the white spirits, do the gins and stuff till you've got stuff coming that's aged in your dark spirits that you need. So, I think um, you know anyone from around the world looking to set up a distillery would be wise to have a look at our industry generally to and pick a model of doing it that suits where they are, what they've got access to. Mm. And what sort of, I guess, what sort of money they've got available? You know, it's a, also, I don't know if people realise, pretty penny to set up a bloody distillery these days. You know, lots of money, isn't it? So I, you know, I can't. That's why I sell sell other people's products. Basically. There was also that rum that was also in Rum Tribe that like really took me by storm and it's like it's it's up there in percentage as well um was the el salvador um duo that was really good they had the coffee rum and their their, their normal one which was at 60 yep. percent um yep. and that, yep. those two were fabulous and i didn't even know that they had rum there this is it isn't it i mean yeah so many little rum distilleries around the world that just sort of pop up and have product and, and you know and rum is still sort of the wild west in fact some of the companies you deal with in in rum you know like they were, they were trading slaves back in the day like they're that old you know and they've been around for that long it, you know it's an amazing space to work in when you sort of start talking to people and you know they've been in a family business for centuries now you know you go like 18 years what's that these guys have been doing it and their family's been brokering and stuff like that for, for, for sort of going on centuries now so it's 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 yeah it's an amazing um, uh, space to be working in. Uh, I 
So, and there's lots, um, you know, happening all over the world with um, uh, new rums coming out all the time, new independent bottlers coming out all the time, you know, it allows um, for independent bottlings to be a big thing. Boutique rum companies are a huge one. Our own Justin Bosley in Adelaide is kicking goals all over the place, all over the world. So, yeah, um, just everywhere, Ali, like you say, there's, there's, there's rums just coming out from everywhere. Same as whiskey, though. Same as whiskey, let's face it. You know, so many um, whiskeys coming from places you just, like Sweden. <laughs> Sweden, really? Like, whiskey? No way. But, yeah, and bring it on, like, frankly. I'm super excited, so. I've, I've had the opportunity to try a couple of their products uh, back in 2011. I think that was one of the first times that they hit our shores. And I was just like, wow, this is good. This is ridiculously good. And now to have something that's evolved where it's uh, their own barley, their own their own oak, I think that's just going to be one of the most interesting things out there. So I'm really annoyed that you haven't taken the photo yet. Just saying. <laughs> I'll get, it, I'll get it done. As I say to Brent, yeah, over the weekend, mate. Photo shoot over the weekend. So <laughs> just pray for a nice sunset. That's all I say. Be perfect with that orange box. Oh, with the orange box, yeah. I'm thinking of that or, or a nice, you know, high vis. I could get down to Lowe's and get a bag full of high vis here and see if I can hide it. It's, it, it's the, it is the brightest box I've ever seen. Like, amazing, amazing colour. Stands out on the shelf. Oh, excuse me while I pour another one of these amazing outcast batch threes. I mean, it's How's you? <laughs> batch three. I've, I've I've still got a little bit of batch one left. <laughs> it took. I still haven't. I've only tried batch one once. I've got one bottle because when we were releasing it, I was pregnant. So. I didn't get to Just try it. Until I remember the communication at the time going, oh, it's so good, Ellie. It's so good. You poor bugger. You can't taste it soon, though, soon. Well, when I had left it, I had left it at 47% and it was released at 46%. So I feel like I was close. But I was out there, like, repping it, like, amongst, like, Campari and, like, Appleton and everything like that and getting up and talking about this rum that I have not tasted yet. <laughs> but it was really fun to be like okay everyone else in this room can try something before us um which kind of brings me to the segue between uh single malt whiskey club and rum tribe what made you uh was it what made you kind of want to start a rum subscription after being doing single malt whiskey club for so long um look we were looking at uh, expanding um, not long after Brent got on board. We were looking at, at avenues that we could expand the business. Um, and look, Ian Schmidt introduced me to Justin Bosley, um, got chatting to Justin, and look, you know, it was pretty apparent that rum, you know, was doing something. This is at sort of the end of um, 2019. Rum was doing something at that stage, and then we, we kicked off about five months later, I think, in uh, uh, mid 2020 with the Rum Tribe. And I just got the same feeling as I think I did with when I kicked off the Single Malt Whiskey Club with Andy. You know, it was this kind of excitement, and oh, you know, no one's no one's doing this. Um, this you know, with with Rum Whiskey, you know, when we started whiskey, there was 
excuse me, no one in Australia to, to have a club with. We were the first Australian subscription club. There was a few other whiskey clubs around, but not not doing what we were sort of doing. Um, uh, there was also the, the SM, the Scotch Malt Whiskey Society, of course, but didn't have an Australian branch for years after we started. Um, so I got the same feeling with rum sort of those two and a half, three years ago that, that I had with whiskey. It's like I just really feel like there's this wave just building and it's just about to curl over, man. And I'm hoping we are so situated to ride the biggest tube of our life when it does. I mean, that's what I'm looking forward to. And I think it's it's, it's coming now. Like, you know, you distillers are so behind it and so behind good rum and so behind the diversity of rum styles, you know. Um, there, there, there's so many styles of rum in Australia. If you go from, you know, even just in Byron Bay where you look at um, Winding Road who are doing aged rums, you know, and, and you make rum spirit as well, but doing the sugarcane juicy agricole path, whereas Lord Byron just down the road is still doing your molasses style. You've got, you know, you guys in New South Wales, there's Aisling in New South Wales doing nice rum as well. Um, and then, of course, you know, the, the, the Jimmy Rum, the weirdos from down south, Jimmy Rum, and then Killick, like these guys, what Killick? Like, uh, north, you know, Queensland, we've got... Um, the, the, the North Queensland rum producers and then Mill Desperandum as well in southern Queensland. I mean, it's um, it's boom, 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 boom. I think the beauty of rum, even though you can't call it rum, is that the, the raw spirit in a lot of cases is, is understood to be worthwhile in cocktails and stuff, whereas, you know, you mm. a young whiskey distillery, is, it's pretty much moonshine. No one wanted to drink unaged whiskey at all but there is i think even that small amount of interest in in unaged rum spirit uh which will which will get bigger and you know so you've got killick exploring that with their world beating silver um you know high ester sort of stuff you've got your you know you've gone down more of a, a traditional australian i guess for want of a better word ali molasses <laughs> licorice caramelly style rums and it's, it's just such a, a massive um massive product and so many um you know styles of that product um, yeah, so uh, I, I see rum now as pretty much where single malt whiskey was when we kicked off in 2005. Was a couple of guys sucking piss on the veranda, pretty much. So. <laughs> <laughs> I, it came at such a brilliant time, too, because it was like you were saying it was around 2020. Um, and like it was such a great time to launch a subscription because it's like you know, everyone at that time was kind of used to just everything coming in the mail and. And like having in like lashing out and having a treat every now and then, like my gift to myself was like um, was joining the rum tribe as soon as it started. Because I was like, one, I'm gonna do something educational, and I swear I'm gonna take notes on all of them, and I'm gonna learn something. But also like you know I'm gonna dabble in and have fun as well. So um, when you can't go outside and do that much, so yeah, I think that was a really good like really great timing because it also comes with the rum renaissance as well that is coming now. So yeah. yeah, I think that was absolutely timed perfectly. Did you did you have any hand in that? Well, we, we, as soon as we started talking, and we knew it was a good idea. Let me tell you, there was heads down and bums up getting stuff sorted to get us, um, you know, get us online by mid year. Basically, it all was kind of this is a great idea. Few meetings with Justin Bosley. This is a good guy to deal with. You know, we can deal. We talk in the same language, and um, and that well, that you know, friendship has gone from strength to strength now over the three years. Um, I had an awesome night down with Justin at his place 
um, at the tail end of my Adelaide trip, which is probably why my, my Adelaide trip took it out of me so much. That bunch of that last night was a big night, but you know, there's nothing like sitting around St. Bosley's place, you know, where he's bringing all these sample bottles out, and he's he's been down to the Bond store to grab all these out of casks. So they're all cask samples. He's going, you know, try this, try this, try this, and you know, and it comes. Oh, it's three thirty in the morning. I'll just try one more, just one more. It becomes two more, and then just, <laughs> seven more. Five thirty in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> So I guess, I, I guess, yeah, I had a realisation not so long ago. I'm really, really lucky in that I, I don't drink bad piss anymore. Like I, every time I'm out drinking, it's always really good grog, which I'm, I guess I'm eternally grateful for. And half the time with the grog, it's either the, the people who make it themselves slinging it at me or it's it's people who are finishing it, maturing it themselves, getting it out of barrels and, you know, having it at their place, waiting for me to come around to, to get onto it. I, I think, you know, that's... Uh, that's the best part of the job, isn't it? Like, so it's, uh, it's, it's, it's always, there's always something new and interesting to try that someone, especially with, with the sort of people that I hang around with, they always want to surprise me. So they're always, I guess, you know, trying to pull something out of left field, which brings us way back to the question, where do we get our inspiration from for which we do, you know, it's people pulling stuff out of left field and me going, I didn't know there was a rum industry in Nepal. I better find out a bit more about that. Or I didn't know there was you know, Swedish single malt. I better find out a bit more about that. So yeah. So given that you're um you're travelling down the rum path for a good reason, do you think that you'll ever look at piscos? Sorry, say that again. Piscos. No. Yes. What's a pisco? pisco. What have I missed here? Have I missed something really stupidly obvious? No. What's a pisco? Uh, Pisco is a, another, it's a clear spirit, but they do age it as well. And it's um, usually made from grapes, but it does have a very rum-esque sort of thing going on. And a lot of people call it uh, Pisco as a rum, but it's not It's not quite in that category. It's, it's quite interesting. And I feel that it might fit into what you're doing. So I was just curious. I'm going to be looking for Pisco now for the rest of the week and feeling quite stupid when I find it, probably. So, yeah, no, there you go. Interesting. I'll, I, I shall um, I'll, I'll have, a, I'll have an eye out for that one. You got me? <laughs> Sorry. Like I said, look, I still count myself as just, you know, people say, oh, you know, you're a whiskey professional or a drinks professional. I said, no, no, I'm more of an enthusiastic amateur still. So, I'm, I mean, I think that's that's the thing too. I'm learning stuff every day. Yes, go. No, I'm just going didn't know until in November at the presentation dinner at the Australian Rum Awards, you can actually mix red wine and Coke. And it's a drink somewhere. Someone drinks it. China. China, is it? Is that where it is? I don't know. Someone was mixing it at our table and said, you've got to try this. I said, yeah, I'll try it. I tried it. So I didn't know that then. You learn something the other day. Good things. Was it good? It's going to be somewhere in the middle of those two. (laughs) (laughs) As Ali said, was it good? Was it good? Everything was good that night. I can truly say you're going out afterwards where I think on a dance floor someone said, I think you look like Beetlejuice. <laughs> wow, okay. <laughs> How much red wine and coke were they on? Well, yeah, that's that's a good question. I wasn't I wasn't rude enough to ask the lady that. And so I'm a gentleman always. I just I just accept it. <laughs> I wasn't even green that night at all, so I don't know where she got Beetlejuice from. <laughs> Not do I. <laughs> and I'm a Tim yeah, Burton fan. We had a question from the audience um, quite a while ago that I sort of missed. Um, 
I would just like to go back to it. Damn it. So it's um so do you find you have a size limit you go for oh, when you that's the eternal problem we've got is yeah, when we're sourcing um to be avoid being saddled with excess stock. Yeah, look, it's it's definitely tricky. Um uh when we sort of a lot of times we're ordering whiskey six or eight months before it arrives in the country and we're basing that off what we guess the demand is going to be. So we have the problem both ways. We can um, sometimes get left with um, excess stock because we've, we've, we've you know, guessed wrong, I guess, or the, the line or, or um, you know, there's been a bit of a downturn. We've, you know, this year's been a bit slower than, than a few years. So... Um, uh, but it can work the other way too, where we get lumped with this thing where we're refunding a lot of um, people because we've sold out so quickly. We just went, why, why? And, and I've got to tell you, Brent and I we do the thing where our brains explode and we go, why did they want this one? But they didn't want that one. Or the, you know, and you just go, I don't know. I don't know. I wish I, I wish I knew what the secret was. Sometimes, yeah, sometimes they just, we have both problems, both the excess and the opposite of excess where, um, uh, we're refunding PayPal things and Brent screams at me every time that happens because apparently PayPal doesn't like it when you refund things. <laughs> I'm not sure exactly what it does, but it's not It's not good. So, it, yeah, so it's, it's, it's a tough balancing act to, um, would be would be my answer. It is a tough balancing act, yeah. Well. Well, spirits take you to a lot of crazy places. Um, what is the craziest place? The spirits has taken you. Oh, oh, that's a great question. And I was, I, I think, um, I discovered spirit. I discovered single malt whiskey on the north shore of Loch Ness, actually. So mm -hmm. I think the best place was probably the craziest best place was that night that I discovered single malt whiskey, and that's back in oh, about 1998 or 99 when I was backpacking with my missus and we were in Scotland because she had to do some university stuff while we are over there in Scotland. So while she was doing that, um, I was skiving off during the day and, and poaching trout from the streams because I'm a bit of a fisherman uh, and, 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 and drinking whiskey. But we, we had a car at that stage which allowed me to do that because of the, all the deals with the tickets and stuff we had. So on the weekends we go up. So we went up on this trip. Uh, one of the weekends we were there to the very north shore of Loch Ness, and we stayed at this tiny little um, um, uh, backpackers place. And they sort of said, "Yeah, we've got room. There's only two rules." He said, "You've got to you've got to come on the walk up to Schmidt's Bar and then up to Castle Urquhart after dinner." And they do that every night, pretty much on the weekends. So we, yeah, well, that sounds all right. So we go, and we'd already eaten on the way, so everyone finished eating, washed up, and then they went to this place called Smitty's Bar, which was just as shitty as it sounds. It was like a fibro shack on the north shore of Loch Ness and this little town whose name escapes me. But then, so we, they said, what are you drinking? And I said, well, really, I don't know. Like, well, you know, I'm drinking, I don't know, Uzan Coke or something. They're going, oh, why don't, you have a, why don't you have a whiskey? And I go, well, I don't really know. I've never really had a whiskey. Oh, fuck you, fuck, I've got to have a fucking whiskey. So when, you know, as if you've been to Scotland, you'll know that talk. <laughs> you've got to have one of these. So they went and they plied me with whiskey. And I, was, and I did from the very first sip. I don't even know what my very first single malt whiskey was because someone brought it over. And But I knew that I, my first thought was, where have you been all my life, basically? And I wanted more, had more, had several more, and then a few more after that. And then so we went for this walk up around the, the 
the shore of um, Loch Ness. And it's by this stage, it's 10, 11 o'clock at night. And it's in winter, so it's definitely pitch black. Not like in summer over there at 11 o'clock at night when the birds are still friggin' cheaping. But the, um, so we're walking around. We go past Alistair Crowley's mansion. I don't know if you're in, like, back in your high school days, the stories of the occult. Alistair Crowley was like a, an early 20th century sort of witch dude who had this huge, like, all this dodgy stuff on. So we walked past his, and then we, we ended up being in Castle Urquhart, which is the beautiful remains of this castle that they had... I don't know, apparently some understanding with the local national trust or whatever that allowed them to take people who stayed at the backpackers up. We hopped the fence and were drinking up there from people's backpacks. We were there, like, in this lit up wreck, sort of castle wreckage, you know, in, on, the, on the shore of Loch Ness. Like it was, it was like, my God, this you couldn't get any more Scottish if I tried. I could have a kilt on, I guess, and no undies, but apart oh, from that, it was about as Scottish as we could do. So I suppose, yeah, that's the weirdest, weirdest place I've, I've, I've drunk. I've drunk, um, in, I've drunk whiskey in every other place I've been to since pretty much because there's always a bottle of whiskey somewhere. Um, but I guess that's the the weirdest, yeah, the, I guess the very, my, my whiskey origin story is the weirdest place that I that I ended up, uh, yeah, drinking whiskey to this day, yeah, which sticks out mind. It was an amazing, amazing trip. Uh, yeah, so uh, there it is. Yeah. Would you say it was a spiritual trip? <laughs> Cheers. Shout out to 60 Hertz. I saw your comment before about this. I personally don't mix it um either. Wouldn't, but you know, that's just me. But yeah, fantastic rum. Amazing. 60 Hertz. Also put up a uh, something about how sort of different things mean different things to people. Well, I sort of relate to what he's saying here. Um, yeah, that's that's very interesting point. Um, Sixty hertz, because I tell you, like I, after um, revisiting this whiskey tonight, yeah, it's got way more bacon for me than I remember it, it, it having. Lots, a lots more charcuterie, sort of salty bacony thing going. Yeah. So. I say if you if you taste anything that's smoked manuka, you always or I always remember smoked fish as well. So it's kawai, smoked kawai. I knew I should have got you bloody ex kiwis and had a chat to you before we did the release. I would have got all the homey stories about the manuka smoke. Then I was just doing my best translate as an Australian. You know, We're they're just bloody tea tree. <laughs> They have these really cool little, little red berries on it. I remember as a kid climbing up to the top of the Manuka tree and picking all the berries off and eating them. They're just really sweet and juicy. Not very big. But yeah. So I think you got a bottle of this. Did you Did you get your bottle yet? I haven't got my bottle yet. I'm not sure Oh, bloody worried I've missed out. <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah, you should have. Blame Ospos. We do. <laughs> <laughs> I've noticed. Yeah, I don't think I've paid for it, so I don't expect that I've got it somehow. Oh, shit. Okay. Oh, mate, I'll sort that out. Give us a ring tomorrow. Yeah. You were so excited about it when we told you about it. Oh, I was, because we've been, we've been slowly purchasing Thompson for a couple of years as the work in progress thing. Yes. So it would be quite nice to actually find, to finally taste the finished product of what they think it should be like. So, 
There you go. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Well, it's no, it's it's definitely nice. I I didn't try the um the non cask strength version of it, but I this this is it's great. I wouldn't want it much weaker than this. I like it. I don't think I've had the opportunity to try that. Right? Any of them, yeah, actually. No. There you go. There you go. So, yeah, well, it'd be, yeah. I think we'd work it out. It was 13 years since we'd done our uh, New Zealand whiskey in the, in the club. So it was high time we did one. We're just lucky to have um, to come across this. And speaking of um, things we timed pretty immaculately, um, I don't know whether I should tell you this or not, but it's just such a secret. I can't help it. We all know about this little number that did okay in a few awards recently, the milk and honey cherry cask elements. Oh, yes. We, we've actually ordered, and it's coming on a boat at the moment. There's my sample bottle of it. It's the milk and honey sherry cask elements cask strength. Oh, right out of the cask now. So having this, that, this is so exciting. At fifty-seven percent, this one is um, presented yeah. at. So it's um, yeah, we are we are. That's that's one of the things I, I was hoping I got to spruik tonight because I haven't been able to say anything about it yet to anyone, and it's been driving me insane. We are so excited, <laughs> and um, yeah, there you go. So people can get into the queue for that by. Coming soon, next couple of months, as soon as it makes landfall, it will be in our newsletter, let me tell you. Fantastic. Look, I, I do look forward to that because they make some good good spirit, those guys. Look, yeah, and, and I tell you, they're, they're international head of sales, top bloke, and doesn't mind oh, having yeah. a drink if I discovered yeah. him in Sydney. <laughs> 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 tell him, he tells what you missed. Shout out to tell what a top bloke, what a great yeah. night that was, actually. Yeah. <laughs> We are working on trying on on shooting the shit at some point in the future. So when I finally get my ass into gear and um, contact them, basically, that'll be the best the best the best way to start that process. I think would probably be to get in contact with him. Oh, definitely. Oh, we talked we talked about them over over one or two drams the other night, but um, yeah, I just need to tighten tighten it up. So that's yeah. We've hit the hour mark, so I guess I'll have to run through the obligatory um, other things that I need to do here. Obligatory things. Obligatory. Because we actually have sponsors. So we are sponsors, and we appreciate every one of them. We have Voyager Craft Malt. Not Voyager, we would not have our whiskies, uh, the, the blood and blown of our, our existence pretty much. We have our number one Cooper, Andrew Young, down in, in um, South Australia. Great supplier of all of our barrels, or the lion's share of our barrels come from it. All of our glassware now comes from Saber Glass. If you're looking for glassware, these are the guys to go and see. Um, We've also got the Australian Gin Appreciation Society is sponsoring us. So that's our friend Ben. We appreciate everything he's doing. And if you want to get into the gin scene, go and join their club. And we have Mogwai Labs. Now, these guys we are going to have on shooting the shit at some time in the future as well. They actually source um, natural yeasts from from your own distillery, so that you can, or from the environment. So that it's going to be quite exciting doing some little projects with them. 
And that's our sponsors, which obviously without them, we would not have our show. That is very Thank interesting. That Mugway Labs doing what isolating yeast from your own distillery. So that, yeah. that's that's well, well, they're isolating local yeast, but obviously there's also getting get them into your own distillery or brew house and and actually select whatever the yeast strain is around you. It's like the That's coolest thing in the enough. world. Sorry, sorry. Mm. It's like the coolest thing in the world. It's, it's pretty wild, isn't it? I was down at yeah. uh, Mad Monkey while I was in Adelaide too, and they're doing some stuff with isolating the yeast out of the beehive that's in there. Um, that's in their distillery. That's cool. You just you just hit you piqued my interest because there's a. Uh, an old distillery, one of our oldest distilleries, which is now no longer a distillery, it's now a um, a soft drink factory in in Victoria. And I, I reckon that they'd have some yeast in their walls that might be of interest of anybody that could be possibly bothered to go down and, and, and scoop it out. <laughs> I always wondered about that because I know that um, I know that uh, Alan Bishop uh, segregated some yeast just recently, and he has uh, a very old strain uh, that he's using over in the US. So that would be, yeah, that'd be that'd be like piqued my interest. <laughs> stuff. Yeah, no, I got a bit of a background in biochem piano, so whenever I hear yeast talk, it sort of piques my ears as well. In fact, um, down at um, Epic in the Valley, I was lucky enough to meet Paul Mills, who does the um, the mead, and he yeah. is amazing with his yeast. I've, I've never heard anyone. He's the yeast whisperer. Let me tell you, he's just amazing. <laughs> he's he talks to me about activating it and stuff, and it's like he cuddles it for eight hours, sort of, to make sure it's loved and, and, and to get the good vibes. And then he goes, I'm not joking. You think you're making this up? He's amazing what he gets. Yeah. But the, the percentage alcohol he's getting out of these, these yeast blow your mind. Like when he was talking about it down around the fireplace, I went, Say that number again, Paul. And, he, and I said, Wow, that's amazing. So that, and that's what pricked my ears up when he was. First started talking about sort of um, percentage alcohol he was getting out of his um his ferment. So and it's all in the activation. Go talk to him for yeah, you, you, you'll, you'll talk to him for hours. Make sure he's got a couple of bottles of mead open around him. Some <laughs> 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 good stuff. Yeah, thanks, guys. For tonight has been really good. And um, thanks, V and Ali, for joining me. Otherwise, Anytime. I'll Thank you for having me. Yeah, I was stumbled my way through, and Brad, it's always a pleasure talking to you. And um, yeah, thanks, thanks, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks everyone for being so nice midnight. Yeah, <laughs> thanks, Brad. I'll, I'll watch you tomorrow and just see how <laughs> nice. <laughs> but thanks very much. Yeah, cheers, and everyone watching. Thank you very much. Hope you uh, hope I answered the questions you wanted to hear. No, it's, it's been a good chat. So thank you. Thank you. Thanks to everybody. Yeah. Thank you, everyone.